0: Hello and welcome to Crossroads Christian Center, where we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus. Please enjoy this sermon and don't forget to subscribe.
1: You know, His goodness is here right now. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's a today thing. His goodness is here right now. I want you to be seated. The Lord has a love letter for you today, and I'm going to just read it. Sometimes when the Lord... Gives us a word. This is a time of exhortation in the service. And this is when the Lord, we do a prophetic word the Lord has for the house. And then there's a response to that. Because when God speaks, we want to respond. And so I'm just going to read to you. Sometimes it takes on different forms, but today it took on a letter the Lord has for you. So I'm going to read to you exactly what He says to me. And then if it's for you, we're going to pray over you today. Some here have decisions to make. Some here are looking for purpose or direction in their situation. Some here are frustrated or growing impatient. And the Lord says to you, I am alive inside of you. And I know you. I know your weakness. I know your strength. I know your past. I know your future. I know all about you. I am the great architect. I am the one who knows how to build your life. He, the Lord, responds to you in the fullness of his knowledge of you. In the fullness of his knowledge of you. His no is as important as his yes. Because his decisions regarding you are not random. His decisions are thought out in light of his full and complete knowledge of you. And then the Lord asked me to give you an illustration. Some of you know this story, but a few years ago, about three or four, a man in India, a son of ours very close to us by the name of Sanjay, Who we were building a ministry with, and all the future of our ministry to India was built on our relationship with him, died suddenly. And in that moment, I was devastated. He was like a son to us. And when he died, I said to God, It's all over for us in India now. It's over, the door is shut. And the Lord said, Do not step back, it's time to step forward. And so I did what the Lord told me to do, and I can testify three-plus years later how the Lord has multiplied the ministry in India through a situation that I did not understand, that I did not want to happen, but it happened. And the Lord has done what Ephesians 3.20 says, exceedingly abundantly more than I could ask or imagine through a tough situation that I didn't want. You see, what you might not choose for yourself, he chooses for you. And it requires our surrender and our submission. In Isaiah 48, the Lord tells Israel in verse 18 and 19, Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace and prosperity would have been like a flowing river. And your righteousness like the abundant waves of the sea. Your offspring would have been like the sand. And your descendants like the grains of sand. God's voice is here. He is summoning your obedience. Your surrender. Your submission. Your emotions will follow your obedience. He will teach you to love the life that he has given you some of you are waiting to love the life he has given you you are waiting to have his peace and his love for the life he has given you when something changes but you're missing out on the now the presence of God in your life now He does not want one hour lost to death or destruction or chaos or anxiety or fear. He is the God of abundant life now. It is the enemy that wants to steal your life and your peace and your enjoyment of life now. He wants to teach you how to love life now. Because if you don't learn to love life now, you will always miss out on the now. So he says, pay attention to my commands. You have peace and prosperity now. We've been erroneously taught that we wait for the Lord in misery. Listen, we have been erroneously taught that we wait for the Lord in misery. Only unrepentant people, those who have not surrendered or submitted to the Lord, wait for deliverance, rescue, and answers in misery. As a children of God, you are always residing in His abundant life. You have been baptized into resurrection, life, and power. Even during difficulties, challenges, and storms, you always reside in His complete love, which is infused with abundant life. But do you choose to believe his commandments? Belief is the catalyst for stepping into abundant life. Yes, it can feel illogical. But Jesus has promised a peace that passes all understanding. In the midst of your decisions, in the midst of your storms, in the midst of your journey, you have abundant life. A man by the name of Moses was asked by God to do something he really didn't want to do. To take on a mess. To take on a problem. Exodus thirty-three thirteen 13 shows us what he says to the Lord. Now therefore I pray you if I have found favor in your sight let me know your ways so that I may know you and that I may find grace and favor in your sight. And God's Response was, my presence shall go with you and you will have rest. He teaches us the way we should go. He knows how we are to be fruitful. He knows how to bring fulfillment and purpose to us. He does not miss a thing. Not one detail of his artistry of your life. But we must believe. Belief is evident through our surrender and submission. He wants to give you abundant life now. You are not to wait and endure your storm in misery. He wants you to have peace like a river. He wants you to have prosperity flow. He wants you to have fruitfulness like the sands of the seashore now. All right. That's his love letter to you. So it began with, do you have a decision to make? Are you in a storm? Are you asking about purpose and direction for your situation? Are you feeling frustrated? Are you feeling frustrated in the life that you have right now? Are you growing impatient because you want change and change has not come? And the Lord says, now, abundant life. Now, how can I have abundant life in a storm? Because I am with you. My presence is with you. Do not allow the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy your life now. If you say, oh, Pastor Lynn, that hit me between the eyes. I think I've been... Enduring my life in misery or in my storm, I've been in misery versus receiving the abundant life that he has for me. Or maybe you're growing frustrated and the Lord is sending his word. say, you know, you need to submit. You know what? His ways are different than our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. And we don't understand everything we go through. It's not all A plus B equals C. One plus two equals three. It's not all like that. But he is the great architect. And he has great artistry for your life. If that is you, I want you to stand. If that word is for you, stand. No shame in standing. It's not a discipline. It's a comfort. It's a connection. It's a, the Lord wants you to love the life he's given to you now. The difference between a believer and an unbeliever is I can enjoy the life he's given to me, whatever it entails now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. The Lord wants to change your way of thinking right now. As Romans 12 says, I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. Some of us have been in agreement with misery. Some of us have been in agreement with waiting in misery or waiting for the tomorrow that God is going to be good to me tomorrow. And when God is saying, I am good to you right now. I am good to you. Some of us, the scales need to be dropped off. And we need to move our agreement, our belief system in our mind to... What the Lord has spoken, Lord, right now, let's just lift our hands in submission and surrender. You, we're surrend- whatever it it may be. It may be a job, finances, relationships, purpose, health, whatever it may be. Lord, we surrender it to you. We surrender it to you, Lord Jesus. We surrender. We submit to you. We wave the white flag. We wave the white flag, Lord. Abundant life pour out now. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Why can I be confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord tomorrow? Because I have the goodness of the Lord today. That's why I'm confident. Because it's not about tomorrow. It's about today. I've experienced the goodness of God today. I had the goodness of God in my life yesterday and I'll have it there tomorrow because the goodness of God will be sustained and consistent in my life. Storms will not dictate the goodness of God. Do you hear me? Storms shall not dictate the goodness of God. I will remain confident of this. I will see the goodness. Of my God and Lord I pray over these that are standing that in the today in the now in the October 7th 2018 that they would have the abundant life that you have promised they have been baptized into resurrection and life they have not been baptized into misery they have not been baptized into death They have been baptized into resurrection and life. That is the result of their baptism. It is the resurrection and life that they will walk in. And we declare it, Lord, we declare it over our lives today. This love letter that you have sent, that you know them, that you have created them, that nothing is missed to you. That you have full knowledge of them. You know them better than they know themselves. You know how to bring prosperity and fruitfulness out of their life. And everything that you do, Father, in our lives is good. Everything you lend your hand to in our lives, Lord, is good. Now, it's very important that you believe what the word of the Lord says. You have to believe. See, the oldest lie, the oldest lie in the history of man was given to Eve that God is not good. That's the oldest lie. So just think how entrenched that lie is in sin and in the world that God is not good. God is not good to you. God won't be good to you. What God does is not good. You know, even we say in insurance, the act of God is a bad thing, right? It's all defaults to not goodness, but to destruction. See, we've made the world the the, the thought life of the world is man handles God's reputation. But that's the oldest lie. That's what stole paradise. Listen, that stole paradise. But though Jesus came back and said, you know what? I have come back to redeem. And I have given you abundant life. I came back to redeem. Now, does that mean we walk in a perfect world? No, we walk in a broken world. We still walk in a broken world. The new heaven and earth is not here. But inside of us, but inside of us, we have the resurrection and life inside of us so the world around us may be falling apart but inside of us come on oh i have peace like a river i have prosperity like a flowing fountain as isaiah says to a people that are going through a tough situation just listen just listen to the good god's commands to you that's all you have to do Get out of agreement with what the world is saying. You don't have to be miserable, even in tough situations. You don't. You don't. You don't. Amen. Just say amen. All we have to do is yes. All the promises. Come on, 2 Corinthians 1 20. All the promises are yes in Christ Jesus. And we say to those promises, amen.
0: How many you like to be in freedom? You know, one thing this house will be, it will be a place of freedom, you know, and I don't care what your past is, I don't care what you're currently going through, I know this, those who the sun set free are going to be free indeed, you know. I want to do something before we begin today because we're in the midst of this, uh, actually midst the second, third Sunday, second Sunday, second second Sunday of the the sermon series, uh, The Lies We Believe. And too many times as Christians, we have heard things from the time we are little and we believe them to be true when they're actually not. There's actually people that will try to get you to believe things that are false so that you can get into their way of thinking. And Scripture clearly addresses that as as a a strategy of the enemy. Uh, Pastor Lynn had mentioned that the oldest lie is, did God really say? Did God really say that? Is that really what the Bible says? Well, you don't understand because it was written in an ancient language, and it doesn't mean that anymore today. Literally, it means the exact opposite. And that's what the world's telling us, that darkness is light and light is darkness. And what we want to do is, as men and women of faith is to know the truth because why? The truth sets you free. So in the book of Romans chapter 12, I have my e-bible up here on my iPhone. The good thing about having an iPhone or a smartphone, you could be smarter and carry the word with you wherever you go. It says this, therefore, I urge you as brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I want us to do something. I want us to do what I would call a prophetic act. I want us to put our hands on our heads and say, Lord, transform my mind. Lord, transform my thinking. Let me know your word, and let the word set me free, in Jesus' name. Now we just made a new covenant with the Lord this morning. We made a covenant that God is going to transform our minds. You know, there is such a thing in theology called stinking thinking, you know? And what stinking thinking is, is when you think upon things that are not written in the word of God. So what do we do? We have pity parties, we invite the devil, he shows up and we sit down with him and we moan and complain how bad God is to us. <laughs> That's right. That's I mean, come on, let's be real. You know, we go through a situation and the first thing we do is, well, where's God? He's always there. Well, if he's in you, if Christ in you is the hope of glory, then you don't have to worry where, where the Lord is, he's in you. You know, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And one of the things that we, you know, I, I was prepping for this sermon, and the Lord kind of laid this on my heart several weeks ago, and I, it, it, first, it first began thinking about how as a, as a son or a daughter, you may not know your parent. That's one way we're orphaned. But a lot of times as believers, we're orphaned in our understanding of who our father really is. Yeah, you see, that's even more damaging than not having a biological mother or father. You know, because if you don't know, like, who's your daddy, you're in big trouble. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I know who my daddy is. I, I know who my Abba is. I know who my Savior is. There's never been a question in my mind from the time I came to faith who I know I belong to. My last name is Willis, but I've been grafted in to a new relationship. I don't have to worry about my, my earthly parents. I don't have to worry about when my earthly parents pass away or when they passed away because I have been grafted in to a new relationship with the Almighty God. The beginning, the I am, is who I am related to. And when you know that, it sets you on a course that is going to be different. Amen? Amen. So... This morning, I want to talk to you about the lie that you're a mistake. I want to talk to you about the lie that the mistakes you made identify you as a person. How many of you have made a, a major blunder mistake in your life? Come on. Look, keep those hands up. Don't be ashamed. This is a place of freedom. Speak it out into light, and it'll be exposed. Keep it in darkness, and it'll fester and wound. You know? There are so many of us in this room that have made mistakes. The ones that didn't raise hands, you're in denial, you know. You don't need a 12-step, you need a sozo. Because one of the things that happens to us as we believe a lie, it changes our perspective of who we are. You see, the enemy wants to change your perspective of who you are, because if he gets you to think of yourself lower than you are in Christ, you start acting that way. You you following me now? Okay? If you don't know that you are the son or daughter of the Most High God, that you've been transformed, you've been renewed, there is newness in you, then you're going to start acting like the old person. And I don't know what your Bible says. Maybe you have a textual variant. Maybe you have something that your Bible's jacked up. You need to get a new one. Where it says, my word says this. The Bible that I read says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And if you are a new creation, according to 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians 5.17, if you're a new creation in him, then the old is passed away. Behold, Everything is new, so this morning, as we talk about that, one of the things that that struck me about this is is that so many christians and and let me let me, let me say this before I get into that. if a person isn't a believer, I don't expect them to think like a believer because their 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 thought process is still in the world. they haven't had the renewing of their mind by the word of God. but when christians start acting like they're the old person when they've been transformed, they're basically taking the cross and doing this. (laughs) Because they're spitting on the work that Jesus Christ did for them. And the word of God is very clear. Listen to what scripture says about who you were while you were still in your mother's womb. Psalm 139, verse 13. I love this. If you don't understand The presence of the Lord in your pre-existence and in the time where you're, from the moment of your conception, listen to this, for you created me in my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Who did? Well, you know, my dad and my mom, hogwash. You were knit together in your mother's womb by the spirit of the living God. And God's spirit wove those fibers together, or I should say those cells together. He created life because God is all about life. The enemy is all about death, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy the life that God intended you to have. And he does that by destroying your thought process of who you know you are in Christ. Did God really say that? Look at verse 14. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Turn to the person next to you and say, I don't know about you, but I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, you're speaking into existence what the Lord's word declares of you as a person. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I know that full well I don't know about you but I know that full well I am fearfully and wonderfully made I have been created in the image and likeness of the eternal God the one who spoke the universe the great I am is inside of me and because he's inside of me I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me my frame was hidden from you when I was made in that secret place When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed... Wait, wait, wait. Your eyes saw... How can you see something that's unformed? You see, because we're not talking about physical here, although the physical is a manifestation of it, we're talking about the spiritual dynamic behind it. We're talking about understanding that first and foremost, you are not a physical being. Pinch the person next to you. No, 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 just... (laughs) You know, making sure you're all awake. You are first and foremost a spiritual being. You were created by the spirit of the living God, and in him you live and move and have your being. But as you understand that, there is a physical way of it working it out. You know, that's very much the the Christian life. We're in this world, but we're not of it. That's the paradox of it. It's the, 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 the opposing statements that don't make sense in the physical, but you understand them in the spiritual. Well, what the, the text here says is that, that he formed us, he saw us and formed us in the unformed body in all the days. Listen to this. All of your days have been ordained before you. The good days, the bad days, the ugly days, they're ordained before you. And you know what? He's with you in every single one of those. He understands from the beginning of time, when you walk into that doctor's office and they walk up to you and they say, I'm really sorry to have to tell you this. The Lord's there. When that person that you thought it was going to be all happy, love, and they say, you know what? It's over. He's with you. When you go into that job and you think you're all set and you're going to be retiring in there, and they say, we 're restructuring the Lord is with you. Yes. there is not one place yeah. the believer can go yeah. that the Lord is not with them, and not only with them he has already gone before them yeah. and the reason he 's gone before them is because he is ordering your steps. Yeah. the steps of the Lord are ordered by the Almighty and and other he may use Non-Christians, he may use bad situations, he may use all these things, but he is always with you. You got that? You got to get that deep down in your spirit, because when you understand that, it changes your thinking about where God is. He hasn't left you, he hasn't abandoned you, he's just gone before you, and he's kind of clearing some of the briars out in front of you, so you can walk on a path that still may be thorny, but he's already prepared a way for you. I love this. How precious to me are your thoughts? See, it's about our thought process as believers. If you understand this, it opens up a whole new dimension to you spiritually. And he says this, he says, he says, God, how vast is the sum of all of them? Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. I mean, how many of you have gone to the beach and got just a little bit of sand in you? I mean, it just bothers you all day, right? You thought you got it all out, and all of a sudden later on, you know, I don't know about you, but our grandkids, every time they go to the beach, we have to like vacuum our bed because they come up and jump on our bed. They, our grandkids think that a, a, a grandparent's bed is a trampoline, and any sand that is stuck on their body is removed through the vigorous bouncing on our bed when they get to our room because they want to tell us all the things that they did at the beach, and they're sitting there, and it's like, What in the world? You know, 2 o'clock in the morning and it's like, you know, there is sand everywhere. You can't count them. It's innumerable. And what the psalmist is trying to tell us is when we understand the blessing and favor of God upon us, it is like the sands of the beaches. Just think there's bazillions, I don't even know what the number would be, of sand grains on this planet. And that is what God is trying to get down deep in our spirit. That you are not a mistake. You have been fearfully and wonderfully made. The designer made you, and he made you for a very specific purpose. So we get into this, and I, I was reading the other, the other night, I, I guess on Friday night, I finished up all of my, my message, and I was sitting there, and I said, Oh, man, you know, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I don't have it up on the slide here. But it says, You and I have been made in the image of God. You see, as a believer, it's really important for us to, to really grasp the depth of that statement. A lot of times, oh, yeah, we're made in the image and likeness of God. Well, what does God look like? Does he look like a bald white guy that's in his 50s? Or does he look like a, a really handsome Latino man in his 30s, right? 40. 40s. <laughs> she just outed you, brother. you know physically remember we're spirit beings we're just shelled in this deteriorating case right and outwardly we're wasting away but inwardly we're being renewed day by day but our body is just a shell that's not what makes us an image and likeness of god actually the word that's used here in the hebrew for the word image is the word salem s-e-l-e-m It's like where we get the word Jerusalem, okay? That's a good way to remember it. Salem basically talks about the shadow of. So when we're made in the image of God, it's like he is standing there in front of us, the sun is shining down upon us, and the shadow behind him is what we're made in the image of. You got that? You tracking with me on that? That's really important because what we do is we have become a formal description of the presence of God if we're in Him. God's Spirit created you and I. He wove us together. He knit us together while we're in our mother's womb. We're made in His image and His likeness. And as such, we have the power and authority. That's why we're joint heirs with Christ. Because we have been made in His image and likeness. Now let me tell you something. As a believer, that is grounds for every one of us to always respect another person. You know that? So they can be the biggest. Obnoxious. Atheist. They could be a Muslim. A Buddhist. A Hindu. A blah, blah, blah. This they, they could be. You fill in the blank. And you respect them. Why? Because they're made in the image and likeness of God. They will know we are Christians by our bigotry. Excuse me. I, uh, they, they will know we are Christians by our love. You know? You and I. Look at a person, and they may not know whose image they're made in, but you and I do. That's why when we look at them, we don't see the person, we see the creator who created them. You see, when you look at a person with that, it changes your perspective of them. It changes the way you view them. It changes some of your, you know, one of the things that really concerns me as a pastor is I read something the other day it said stop looking at the elephants and stop looking at the donkeys and start looking at the lamb. You hear me? Our country right now is in one of the most tense divided places I've ever seen it. And we're, and it's not on a slow acceleration. We're we're on the fast track for destroying one another, and that's why it's so important for you and I to understand who we are in Christ and how we operate with people that aren't in Christ. We, we should be recipients of the, the power of the Almighty flowing through us so that when people come around us, they go, what is it different about you? Well, man, I don't know what it is, but there's something different about you that I just feel love from you. You may not love their lifestyle, you may not love their actions, you may not love their attitudes, but you love them. And I'll tell you, people understand when you love them, you know? I don't know if you saw the new sign when you pulled in today. You know, we, we got a new sign, I was out there the other day, and there's there this uh, Indian gentleman walking by, he goes walking by the church every day, a couple times a day, and he's walking by, and I walked out, and I, I looked at him, and I said, namaste baya, which means the God in me greets the God in you. It's kind of an Indian uh, greeting. And I, I called him Baya, which means brother. And he looked at me and he smiled really big, you know. Why? Because I respected him as a person. And I tell you, when you respect people as a person, they're drawn to you. Because so many people don't respect one another. But as Christians, we honor everyone because they have been made in the image and likeness of God. And when we do that, something happens to them. It changes. There's a drawing to them. We draw people into the presence of the Lord by our love. We, as Christians, transform people through the power of love. You know, Tina Turner said "Love's a secondhand emotion, but I'll tell you what. To me, love is an overcoming power that the believer has. And when you understand you've been loved by the Lord, it's so much easier to love other people. Even those people that aren't lovely. I mean, anyone else besides me have someone in their life that's not really there's that person that just kind of like they're like they're the consummate grains of sand in your shoe, you know, and you just the more you bang and try to get them out, the more the shoe fills with sand, you know. They're just they're people that are just annoying. None of you okay, if you're just wondering, you know, but God puts people in your life like that to work out the fruit of the Spirit in you, okay, so look at what Jeremiah says, this is going on to continue to understand who we are in the Lord, because that is so foundational for us walking in the freedom and the truth of who we are, Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, before you were born, listen to this, I set you apart, do you know that you've been set apart, You have been set apart from people that don't know the Lord to be an ambassador for the Lord. That's what Corinthians tells us. That we have been set apart to be representatives of another authority, of another power, of another dominion, of another place, another galaxy, a universe, whatever you want to call it, a kingdom that has been established in heaven. We have been set apart to be people who communicate that to other people. And not only have we been set apart, it's been before we were born. Well, you don't understand, Pastor. I was born out of wedlock. Who cares? I don't understand who, I don't know who my mom or dad is. That's, that's fine. You got a new daddy. You know? You're in really good company. Jesus didn't have a dad either. You know, he had a biological father, but it was a heavenly biological father. Bless you. You know? Joseph was like, oh, you know, I don't know about you, but I never had a relationship with her you know, I don't know who the dad is. Well, he did, but he really couldn't communicate that to clearly to his culture because they, they, they couldn't grasp that, you know? So you say, well, I don't know who my parents are. Well, that's fine. You've been adopted. You've been grafted into a new family, and, and the new family that you have is, is an eternal family. That's why you look at someone else and you call them brother or sister because your brothers are sisters in the Lord, And you have a new family, your name's in a new, you've been, you've been, your genealogy has been changed. Because I don't know about you, but when I read the gospels and I read Matthew, I can say, you know what? My 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 dad is a Jewish carpenter. You know why? Because I've been grafted in. I know who I am because I know who says who I am. Because he says I am his son. He says you are his daughter. He says that about you, not me, his word. That's why it's so important for us to understand the word. You know, when he, he says this, listen to this. He says, and children, I always love when, when someone tells me, well, you know, uh, I, I was, I was uh, uh, born out of wedlock or something, and, you know, I got this, this stigma about me. You know what? That's the world telling you who you are. Listen to what the word of God says in, 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 the, in, the, in, the, in the psalmist. He says, Psalm 127, verse 3, he says, children are a heritage from the Lord. You know, it doesn't matter the circumstances, how they were created. They're a heritage, even if the parents don't even understand their heritage. You know that? So you may be a, a, a young mom or a young dad. You may have been born out of wedlock, and you, your parents may have told you, oh, you were a mistake. Yeah, you're the best mistake they ever made because you were an inheritance from the Lord to them. They may not even understand that. They may not grasp that, because they're just looking at you in the natural, but God's looking at you in the spiritual, and he's saying you are a heritage to this family, and, and children children often are the ones that get their parents to start thinking spiritual things. You know, we were, we were at the coffee shop the other day, and I went in and got my wife a coffee, because I, I had had way too much that day, and I, I got a coffee for her, and the, guy, the, the barista says... Hey, uh, what time's your church? Uh, you're a pastor, right? I said, yeah. And he goes, Well, I got to come to your church because you know I'm having a daughter now, and you know I, I I need to get my kids in church. You know why? Because children are a blessing. They're a heritage. And oftentimes, parents will come back to faith because they knew, man, I really screwed things up in my life. I don't want my kids to do that. It was okay for me to do that, but my little boy or my little girl, they're not going to make the same bad mistakes I made, you know? And that's why often we, we forget that. And heritage, I, I, I got stuck in studying these words because heritage is, is, is a fascinating word in the Hebrew language. It's actually the word nahahat. Not, not a lot, but sounds like that. Nahalat. N-A, let me spell it for you, N-A-H-A-L-A-T. Not halat. And it literally means a possession and property of the Lord. Now, now track with me on this, because this is really important. If you were born out of wedlock, if you were born you don't know who your parents are, You're, you have that that, that, that stigma, because a lot of times people put that on you. You are the possession of of the Lord. Wow, that, that's, that should be like a breakthrough for somebody. I don't know who's in here. I don't know your situation. I don't care because I know who your father is. You may not know who your father is, but I know who your father is. And the Lord says, you are my possession. And and every single one of us is the possession of the Lord. You know how I know that? Because Genesis chapter 1, I was reading, rereading Genesis the other day, And Genesis chapter 1, verse 31 says this. He says, I don't know if I have a slide for that. Yeah. And God saw that all he made, and he says it was very good. Now, if you were created by the Lord, which is what scripture teaches, right? You following me on this? Scripture teaches that you were woven together, you were knit together by the Lord, you are very good. Some of you, you're not tracking with me. So let me let me say it in your language. We win. Buho Let me see if I can get this right. Di mac. Was it Monte bueno? Is that how you say it in Italian? You know. German, sergut. Think about it. doesn't matter what language you say it in. When you hear it in your own language, it's, it speaks to you. Très bien. You see, we are very good. God created us, and he looked at us, and he didn't go, Oh, you're a miserable mistake. That was probably a really bad mistake. (laughs) 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 He looked at you and he said, you are very, very good. (laughs) You know? Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) See, Manny, I stick my feet in my mouth even when I'm talking about my wife, you know? (laughs) You see, when God looks at you, He looks at you and he says, wow, you are the most amazing thing I have ever made. I don't care what other people think about you. I look at you and I say, el guapo. (laughs) I look at you and I think you are the most amazing thing I have made. You see, the enemy would like to tell you that you're a mistake. But he is a liar. He can't, do, he, he can't help himself but lie. Yeah. He could, if, 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 even if his, well, his life depends on it because it's going to burn forever. But if, if he could change that, he couldn't help himself. Because everything he wants to do to you is destroy you. He wants to destroy the image that God has created you in. So if that thought of, of who you were created in can be destroyed, then what does it do to you and your destiny? It destroys your destiny. Because you're always going to be walking around thinking, I don't know who my parents are. I don't know who my father is. I don't know what I've been created to do. I mean, one of the things that blows my mind as a pastor, if I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, what does God want to do in my life, I would pave the parking lot, I'd pay off the building, and I'd take us all on a cruise. When you understand who you are, and that you've been made in the image and likeness of God, and you could look at yourself in the mirror, you walk in the, in the morning, you walk into that room, and you look at yourself in the your mirror, and you go, wow, that is very good. That will change the way you view yourself. Some of you need to quit speaking lies about who you are. Some of you got to quit talking about what you used to be and talk about what you are and what you're going to be. Yeah. Because when God sees you, he doesn't look at, oh, what a mistake, Man, I, I, I've heard parents say that to their kids out in public. And every time I, do, I hear that, I, just, I, I say something. I say, yeah, the best mistake you ever made. Because I want to speak life into these kids. You know what? And, and, and as your pastor, I want to speak life into you. You are made in the image of the Almighty God. You've been made not just good... You have been made very good. You have been made as good as possible. That's why David, the psalmist, in, in Psalm 139, verse 14 says, and I praise you. Why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, David understood. Now, 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 did David make a few mistakes in his life? I mean, just a couple. But I tell you what, he grasped the understanding and the importance of knowing who he was in the Lord, and when you and I do that, it just changes us. I mean, look at ourselves, look at your body just physiologically. I mean, you may not like to look at yourself physiologically. You know, some of us have more to look at than others. Some of us has left to look at than others. Some of us, it's a newer model. Some of us have the older version. You know, so we, there's all different parts about us, right? But let me, let me just tell you something about your body. Your body has 100 billion, uh, hear me, 100 billion cells in it. And, and the crazy thing about your, 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 your body is you may not think that you, you, you're moving as fast as you used to, but you know that actually sensory travels from a, a, a nerve in the tip of your finger to your brain in 170 miles an hour. I mean, fasten up your seatbelts, brothers and sisters. That's pretty quick. You know, think about your human body that your bones, your, your, your thigh bone is stronger than concrete. Okay. You have been made fearfully and wonderfully. Your body actually, in, 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 in the process of a year, it, 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 it has over uh, 15 billion cells in it that change in the course of a year. I mean, think about the human body. That's amazing. Well, I was just evolved from a slime mold. <laughs> Talk about Faith. I mean, you have to have more faith in stupidity than in the Word of God to believe that. Because, you know, a person may think, and and they have a good place of thinking because, you know, did God really say that? Did did God really say that you're very good? Did God really look at you and say that you are the pinnacle of my creation? Nah, He he was talking about someone else. He wasn't talking about you because you're just just so-so. But, you know... Them, they're so much better than you. If you could just be like them, if you could just, if you could just be like that person over there and not, you not know your identity and long to have an identity like someone else who doesn't really know who they are either, then, then I will get you totally screwed up mentally and you'll be in, incapable of in doing what God wants you to do. That's literally what the enemy wants to do to you. He wants to get you so messed up, and and that's why the psalmist, you know, I love Psalm 139 because he says, you know, I praise you, God, because I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, you may be wearing out. Well, that scripture says that. You know, daily, we're we're wasting away, you know, but inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. Why? Because the spirit is more powerful than the, the physical, you know? I mean, there's nothing worse. My wife and I were walking the other day, and we were walking downtown, and we saw a, 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 a lady that was dressed like she was maybe 14 years old with her daughter. And it was kind of like shocking because she was so old that the attire that she was wearing was like way inappropriate. And I thought, how can her poor daughter... Know who she is when her mama's acting the way she is. And I thought, there's someone that is modeling her life after someone who doesn't know who she is versus someone that should be, this is how I want you to be. You see, as a believer, we don't model our life after the world, we model it after the Word. See, there's a big difference. The world will tell you one thing, but the world is going to tell you something else. And that's why it's so important for us to be rooted and grounded in God's word. That's why it's so important. You know, Jeremiah 29, I, I will pound that into you because it is so important to know Jeremiah. And I love this. He says, I know, I, this is God speaking to us. I know the plans I have for you. How many of you know every single plan God has for you? We don't know that, but God does. And that's why we draw close to him. When Scripture says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. So as we draw near to the Lord, we can see how he's going to prosper us. Well, pastor, that's faith, prosperity. No, that's the word of God. Because prosper has to do a lot more with, than money. Yeah. You know? You could have all the money in the world. And if your health is failing, what good is it? You see, when the Bible talks about prosperity, it talks about fullness of life. It talks about prosperity in your health, prosperity in relationships, prosperity in your physical body, prosperity in your finances. You know, this is is one of the things the lies the enemy tells us. That, you know, Pastor Lynn mentioned it. She said, well, you know, if you you give, you're not going to have enough yourself. Let me tell you, the Lord spoke to us over a year ago to start giving 20%. We give more than 20% of our income away now. And I'll tell you what, we're in a better financial state than we've ever been. Why? Because we're trusting him. We're not trusting in, you know, you pull out your money. I'm a married man, so all I have is a $1 bill. I know, that's just baloney. I just got, got called out on my bad thinking, you know? It says in the back, in God we trust. But, you know, we have more people to put trust in this than the God. Because it's not the God of the U.S. Treasury. It's the God who spoke things into existence. And when you put your trust in finances, God has this incredible way of letting you know that your finances aren't going to meet all your needs. But when you put your trust in Him, you realize that finances are just a means to an end. And they're just, they're just a tool that we are stewards of. They're just a tool of what God wants us to do. So I'm, I'm going to talk to you this morning just about something because I, I just really feel deep in my spirit that... that Some of us have made some really bad mistakes in our life, and I want to tell you, there is power in mistakes. There's power to either build you up or power to destroy you, power to either enable you to see the hand of God or to try to hide yourself like they did in the garden. You see, when we make mistakes and our mistakes are found out, it can get us to go in either one or the other direction. It's either we, go, we run towards God or we run away from God. And I want to tell you that your mistakes, the mistakes are, are, are one person has said it that mistakes are the price you pay for wisdom. You know? If you think your, per, your pastors are perfect, you know better than that by now. We've been here for six years. We have made a ton of mistakes, but we've learned from them. And every time I make a mistake, I say, God, what lesson are you trying to teach me in this? How do I understand what your plan and purpose is? Because I thought I heard this, and this happened, and as a result, I made a a real big mistake. And God says, Listen to me. Don't listen to the world. You know, the world's got a loud voice screaming at you, but the Word of God says He spoke to them, the prophet, in a still small voice. You know, a lot of times we want this big, huge thing where we hear God speaking to us. And I always tell people, Man, that's really great when God speaks to you that way, but it usually means you're going to need to hold on to that because you're going to have some really difficult times because if God speaks that clearly to you, you've got a rocky road ahead of you, and He wants you to know that. But oftentimes, God speaks to us in a very small, still voice, and that's why it's so important where where the prophet says, Lord, here am I. Speak to me. When young Samuel was in the temple and he kept hearing the voice calling him in the night, and he thought it was the, the priest, and he would go to the priest, and he kept talking to the priest, and he says, you know, I'm hearing you calling me, I'm your servant here, and, the, and finally the priest, who, okay, now track with me on this, this is the religious leader of the community, the first two times didn't get it, and the third time he finally got it, and he says, well, the next time you hear the voice, say, Lord, here am I your servant, speak to me, and What happens? The young Samuel hears the voice of the Lord very clearly, changes the destiny of his life. You know, God wants to speak to you in such a way that it changes the destiny of your life. But if you're listening to the wrong voice, you're listening to the loud voices, you're listening to all what everyone else is telling you about who you are and what your future is, you're never going to find out the voice of the Lord because God wants to speak to you very clearly. And one thing I found is that mistakes, they can they can really scar a person, a relationship, a family, uh, a, a church, even a business, a community. I mean, think of some communities. I, I grew up in, in, in Northeast Pennsylvania. And there was a town in northeast Pennsylvania that was a a mining town. And what happened was there was a fire that was started in a coal vein. And it caught fire to the the, the vein of coal. And it burned down into the mines. And the whole city was basically uh, uh, abandoned because there was burning coal mines underneath it. And if you go there today, you could still drive through. There's a road going through the town, and there's signs on the freeway. And you could go in there, and it's like a sulfur. You could smell the sulfur and the burning. And the, this whole community is just decimated. Why? Because something got down deep in the foundation of it and destroyed, uh, destroyed it from the underneath. And you see, you and I, we can be destroyed from the inside if we don't know who we are in Christ. And that's why it's so important for us to know who you belong to. That you are not a mistake. The mistakes you make do not Uh, identify who you are as a person. They may mar you, but Jacob at Peniel, when he was wrestling with God and the rest of his life was walking with a limp, he says, you know what? This limp reminds me of the goodness of my God. This situation that I went through as a person that was a very bad situation and that people would say a mistake draws me closer to the Lord, maybe drawing you back to the Lord. You see, because God allows all of these things to come about. And, you know, it's interesting in Genesis because, you know, the enemy would like to say to you that you were defined by your mistake. And that's one of the reasons why I'm really not a big fan of, like, the AA programs, the NA programs, all those things, because they keep slapping you in the face with, hi, my name's David, and I'm a a, a, a heroin addict. Or, hi, my name's David, and I'm an alcoholic. No, you're not. Not if you're in Christ. You're a new creation. You've been transformed. You've been renewed. You know? You've got to quit speaking the enemy's lies over your life and start speaking the truth of who you are as a person. You know? Hi, my name's David. I used to be an alcoholic, but I've been transformed by the power of the gospel. You know, I have no longer, that no longer controls me, that no longer identifies me. I may have messed up in the past, and I tell you what, how many of you have messed up in the past big time? Look around. Does that, do you allow that to identify you? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to be transformed, I'm going to be renewed, I'm going to have a new life in Christ. I may even take that thing that, that is meant for evil, and I'm going to turn it around for good. That's what Genesis 5020 says. He says, you intended to harm me. I love this. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers. I mean, his own family shafted him, literally, threw him in a well, okay, and wanted him sold him into slavery. I mean, some of you have pretty jacked up families, but I mean, how many of your families have sold you into slavery, knowing good and well what would happen to you? I mean, he, they, they, they basically take off his robe that his father made because he was his favorite son. And they, they slaughter one of their animals and dip it in blood and take it to their dad and lie to their father about their, his, their brother. His heart is crushed. He never really got over that, right? And then they, they throw him in a well, and then they see a caravan coming, and they decide that we're going to sell him and sell him into slavery, so who knows what's going to happen to him, but he's not going to be our problem anymore. Talk about a dysfunctional family, all right? And Joseph looks at his brothers years later and says, you guys, if you're down south, y'all, he says, you intended to harm me. (laughs) I love this. You see, his perspective on even when bad things happen, God is in it. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. You know why? Because when I look in the mirror, I am very, very good because I have the Lord living in me and it doesn't matter what this world throws in my path doesn't matter what happens to me doesn't matter what people say about me or who i am i know this i know i'm created in his image i know i'm created in the image and likeness of god and people could try to turn my life around but i know what one thing i know that god is intending it for good and joseph went on to save the very brothers that tried to kill him and, and make his life a living hell, he actually was the one that turned around and saved them. People will tell you you're a fool to believe the Bible. Oh, it's an ancient book. It's not culturally relevant. You know, it was written. It's full of mistakes. I always love when people tell me that. I say, really? Here's my Bible. Show me one. blah, 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 blah. I did that to a, a Muslim iman on a plane flying back from India once. I, he said, "All oh, your Bible's full of errors. I said, hey, show me one. He was even afraid to touch the Bible. You know? You see, the enemy would like to say that everything about the Word of God is false. But you know, Qumran, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1946, found a copy of the book of Isaiah that was 1,000 years older than any other manuscript, and there was nothing different in the entire book except some punctuation. You see, God has the ability for His Word. His, he said in His Word, heavens and earth shall pass away, but my Word will never. You know, the truth is, when you understand the Word of God, that's why we want you to be in the Word. That's why we encourage you to read your Bibles. If you can't read well, listen to, get it. Here, here's, here's the thing. If you can't read really well, get a smartphone that you could download an app that can read to you. Because I know you all can talk, and I know you can listen to your phones, you know, Do do an investment in your spirit that can help you to grow in your faith because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. And when you have the Word of God in you, it transforms you. I I love, Francine, can I pick on you? Thank you. I love, (laughs) uh oh, Lord help her. Francine told me that, you know, Rick and I are reading the Bible, and she says, it's just, it's transforming me. Isn't that true? You see, what happens is when you get the Word in you, what happens? It's life. It's like, have you ever taken helium from a balloon and sucked it in? Can your voice change? to really weird like this. You know? Well, what happens is like the same thing. It, it, it gets inside of you, and then it changes you. And the Word of God wants to transform you. It wants to transform you, first of all, by the renewing of your mind. Because so many of us have thinking that is so anti-biblical, and, and we, 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 our thoughts have been honed for decades for some of us, where we're thinking about one thing that's so wrong, and God's Word clearly states something different. You know, people tell you, oh, the Bible's not for you. It's foolish. Well, you know, this is what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. It is. If a person doesn't know the Lord, it's foolish." To believe in some guy that died on a cross for me that it, before I lived, that you know, God, God loved me. Yeah, right, right. God God, God wants to punish me. God doesn't love me because that's a lie the enemy tells people. God doesn't love you. God wants to punish you. But to us who believe. You see, there's a new thinking. To us who believe we've been saved, the cross is a beautiful thing. You know? Because it, it symbolizes the power of God working in us. It symbolizes everything that Jesus said he would do, he did, and it's not something that he has to do. We're going to have communion in a little bit. And it's Christ did this a th- couple thousand years ago, but it's still powerful for you and I today. Why? Because the power of the cross is set us free to live the life that God has intended us. And one of the things that happens is is that the kingdom of God, it's not about just talk, it's about walking in power, okay? And as believers, I want you to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to walk in the power of what Scripture says because there's a lot of people walking around talking about how great things are, but they're not living out what 1 Corinthians 4.20 says and they're not walking in power. But when you and I are walking in power, it changes us. People know, I mean, I don't know about you, but when I I meet someone that knows who they are, that's admirable. And I tell you, when you know who you are in Christ, that's even more admirable because you're not threatened by things. You're not threatened by what people can do to you or say about you. I don't care what people say about me. I don't care what what people think about me. You know why? Because I know what Christ says about me. And usually it's the haters that are saying those things about you. It's not, it's not people that want to build you up. That's why Scripture says whatever things are true or praiseworthy, think upon these things. Why? Because that transforms you. You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. And as your mind is renewed, then you have a new experience with Christ. I want to close. And ushers, if you want to get ready uh, with communion, we're going to take communion here in a minute. And worship team, you want to get ready. But before we, you, you do, I want to read you the, the 23rd Psalm. 23rd Psalm is often referred to as the funeral psalm. You know, you read it at a funeral because you don't know what other scripture to use or because it was favor to someone because they liked it. But the, the truth of it is, there is powerful theology written in this psalm. Look what it says. The Lord is my shepherd. What does a shepherd do to his sheep? protects them, defends them, feeds them, guards them, carries them on his shoulders when they're hurt or injured. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Zilch, nada, nahin, whatever language you want to use. I don't lack anything in my life because the Lord is my shepherd. I mean, just for some of you, that should be transformational. You don't lack anything when you're in the Lord. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. I love this. He leads me besides quiet waters. When everything else around me is a raging storm, when everything else around me is a flood, He leads me to quiet waters. He refreshes my soul He guides me along the right paths for His namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Some of you need to stop camping out in the darkest valley. Some of you need to stop ending something that happened to you way back when and and setting up your residency there and get up and start walking away from that because that's not who you are as a person. It says, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You know what the, the staff was for? It was a measuring stick to see how well you measure up the things. The rod was to, to a shepherd's hook or crook would be to grab you and pull you back. Some of you, you, you need to be pulled back into the right way of thinking about the Lord. Some of you need to, to get the little the other end of the stick and get a little bit of a on the back side because your thinking isn't right. He says, you know what? He says, all of these things are done so that you comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Don't you love that? Usually enemies don't want to prepare a table unless they're going to slay you on it. But God prepares a table and says, you know what? I'm going to do something for you that people would try to destroy you with, but I'm going to prepare a table. Jesus prepared a table for the disciples. He says, every time you do this, I want you to remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the sacrifice I've made for you. Remember all that the power of the cross has done for you. And I love this. He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup is blessed. That's really what overflowing is. It's not like, oops, someone made a mistake and they're pouring it too much. You know, it means there's so much, there is more than enough. Who is God? El Shaddai, the God who is more than enough. The God who is the abundant God. The God who has enough grace to cover your life and your life and Romans life. And your life, and your life, and your life, and every single person that walks with them. You know, one of the the lies we often believe is if God blesses someone else, he can't bless me. Let me tell you something. God has enough grace to cover every one of us like so many times we can't even imagine. And he says this. He says, my cup overflows. I love this. Surely, surely your goodness and love will follow me some of my days is that the way some of us read it? Well, some of my days, God's love is going to follow me. The rest of the days, I'm on my own. But the truth is, His love is going to follow you all of your days, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, this morning, as we take communion, I want us to, to think about the thoughts that we've thought and how they are out of alignment with the Word of God. And what we're going to do here, one of the terms that we've used in this house since we've been your pastor, is alignment. If you go to a chiropractor because your back's out, the chiropractor would get you back into alignment. We're going to do a spiritual realignment. We're going to dedicate ourselves this morning to be realigned with the thinking of Scripture, of who we are, You know, the thing I love about this new carpet is the fact that it's new. That's one of them. Second thing I love that it's paid for. Third thing I love, you may not notice, but if you stand right here, the way the carpet's pads are put together, these are carpet squares. There's a line right down the center of this thing. It goes from right here, right out the crack of the door. Next time you're standing here, I want you to look at it. Because what that is, that's a straight line. In construction, they do what they call a plumb line where they'll hang a string with a weight on the bottom. And if the wall is out of leaning, they can get it back into alignment. Some of us are thinking is leaning. We're not in alignment with the Word. And what we want to do this morning is we want you to get back in alignment with the Word. Get back in the alignment of who God says you are. You know what? I was born, my mom was 40 when she had me. And my dad used to get morning sickness. And he called my mom up and he says, Gene, you're pregnant. And she goes, there's no way I'm pregnant because I'm, I'm too old. And I remember as a kid hearing the thing, well, David was our mistake. And I never took it that way. I always took it like, yeah, that's the best mistake you ever had. And I tell my brothers, I've, I've got two older brothers and an older sister. And I'd always tell them, you know, this is even before I was a believer and I say, you know, I was the best thing that ever happened to mom and dad because they had three, three failures, and then they had me. And they, they, they ended with perfection. And they had perfection. And once they got perfection, they said, okay, no more kids. Let me tell you something. In the sight of God, you are perfect in his sight. All your mistakes, God says, you know what? Others may have intended it for evil. Others may have think, and tragic, I'm not trying to diminish some of the things that have happened in your life. But I'm saying this, I am not going to diminish the one who was over your life. Bad situations come and bad situations go. But there is a God who will never leave you and never forsake you. And one who looks at you every single day and says, man, you are very good. You are very good. Grace, even you, girl, you are very good. You know, he looks at us and he says, you are. Are very good. And he says this he says, I loved you enough to lay down my life for you. That's really what communion is about. Communion is about us dedicating our life to the Lord and renewing it to the Lord. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to serve you with communion this morning. And I want this to be a time of rededication, not just of your life, but of your thoughts and your speech. Because so many times our thinking and our speech betray the word of God. And I want us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by the word of God, and by the rededication of this act of communion. What we'll do here, you don't have to be a member of this church. What we're going to do is we're going to pass out uh, two trays. One has small cups of grape juice and the other one has small wafers of bread. I want everyone to take one of each. We're going to have everyone served, and then they're going to come forward, and we're going to, uh, I'm going to pray with you. And we're going to pray that this morning is a realignment of your understanding of who you are in Christ. You know, Scripture says that when you take communion, you should examine yourself. Because if you don't examine yourself, you take communion in an unworthy manner. And this is what I want us to do this morning. I want us to re-examine our speech and our thinking about who we are in Christ. You know, one thing I never want to do is I never want you to diminish what Christ did on the cross for you. The world would like to say, oh, the cross isn't enough. But I tell you what, the cross is more than enough. What Jesus did on the cross for you and I is way more than we ever could imagine or ask. And so as we pass out the elements this morning, I want you just to think about your words and your thoughts and how Christ wants you to realign them. You know, the amazing thing about communion is that the enemy thought by killing Jesus, he would disempower him. The truth is, with the shedding of Jesus' blood, it empowered not just him, but every single one of his followers. That the enemy is so messed up that he thought that by crucifying, getting Jesus killed, would just destroy the plan and purpose of God and keep humanity in bondage. But actually, the cross, which is foolishness to those who don't believe, to you and I, is the power of God's incredible love over us. It's the power of what Christ did and that through the shedding of His blood for us, we have been brought back. And this is what's amazing. God's work on the cross brought us back to a pre-fallen state with the Lord. It brought us back to a Genesis 2, not to a Genesis 3, but to a Genesis 2 relationship with the Lord. And that's where we could walk around and say, it's good. I look around at you guys, and I say, God is good. God is really good. Even if you have some things in your life that are messed up, God is still good to you. Because He's working out that in you. God's doing a great work in your life. Even though outwardly we may be wasting away, God is still good. You know, my wife and I were talking the other day and she said, you know, if I was ever diagnosed with a terminal illness, she said the very first thought would be in my mind, I get to see Jesus. I don't know about you, but our bodies are holding us back. Our lives are holding us back from having the fullness of everything God has. And one thing I don't want you to have is a mind that keeps you from thinking and knowing who you are in Christ. So this morning, I want to pray for us. This is just in the natural. This is an oyster cracker. And this is a cup of Welch's grape juice. But we're not in the natural, are we? We're in the supernatural. And the supernatural, this is the body of Christ which was broken for us. That He said, every time you take of this... I want you to remember what I did on the cross for you. There is power in this. In itself, it's, there's not even a lot of nutritional value. But in its spirit, there's a lot of su- supernatural power. Father, we thank you for your body, which was broken for us. I pray that each and every one of us here would know you and know the power of who you are and the power of what you've done to make us your sons and daughters. I pray, Father, if there's any of us here this morning that need forgiveness for things that we've done, thoughts that we've thought, words that we've said, actions that we've, we've, we've acted upon that are contrary to your word, I pray that right now you would forgive us. Lord, that you would remove those sins from us and that, Lord, we would be transformed by the power of your word. I pray that this, this emblem emblem of this symbol of your body as we take it would do something supernatural in our bodies in your precious name we ask take of the bread please thank you lord lord we thank you for your body we thank you so much for the body of christ And what it means to us. And Lord, now we come to the cup. And the cup says, this is a cup of the new covenant. This is a cup of a regenerative power of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our life. This is a cup that represents your blood, which was shed for us. And Lord, with it comes all the rights, privileges, and authority as sons and daughters of the Most High God. And I pray, God, as we partake of this cup, that something supernatural would happen in each of the lives of your sons and daughters. That, God, we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt of who we are in Christ. That, God, that you are with us, you're living and dwelling, that, Lord, we are the Salem of God. We're the shadow of of the Most High God. We're the the image of God that lives in us. We've been created in our our innermost beings to represent the heritage that you have. And Lord, I pray that this cup, although it may be small, it is powerful. And I pray for each and every one of your sons and daughters that as we partake of this, Lord, there would be transformational power happening. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Christ's name we ask, amen. We hope you were blessed, encouraged, and challenged by this week's sermon. See you again, and remember to hit that subscribe button for our next episode. God bless, and remember, we keep it real, simple, and about Jesus.